Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. How many has just early enjoyed the ministry of Brother Sanford here over the past few services? Our lives have been touched and challenged and ministered to by the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, we appreciate him. And again, uh, I tip my hat. I appreciate the consistency of uh, Brother Sanford. And uh, anytime that I ever heard him preach, uh, whether it was camp meeting or at a conference or just here this week, he, he preaches exactly the same anywhere that he is at, whatever the venue may be. I appreciate that type of consistency, amen, in his ministry. Boy, he ministered this morning. Love it. He's not here to try to put on a show or here to bring some nugget from, you know, some dark alley of the scripture, you know, out to us, amen, but spoke to some people. And I know with certainty that he spoke to some particular people. Amen today through the ministry of the word. And I appreciate that tonight. Amen. Can you one last time here this evening, amen, make him feel welcome here from Walnut, Mississippi, evangelist Adrian Sanford tonight. Amen. Him and the Lord. Why don't you give the Lord some praise tonight all over the house? Come on with everything you got. Why don't you give him some praise? Oh, we can do a little bit better than that. Why don't we just take it a little bit higher? If he's ever answered a prayer, why don't you give him praise? If he's ever healed your body, why don't you praise him tonight? You know, the Bible says, praise him according to his excellent greatness. That tells me my praise ought to match how great he's been to me. Has God been good to anybody in the house? Has God been great to anybody? You ought to give him some great praise right now. Hey, I think Isaiah said the grave cannot praise the Lord, but the living's going to praise the Lord. There's only one qualification in your Bible to be a praiser. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. That's the only qualification we need to lift our hands and to lift our voices. If we're alive tonight, we ought to praise him every chance we get. Anybody come to give him praise tonight? Well, you're going to make my job a whole lot easier. Amen. Grab your Bibles. We'll go to Genesis 46, Genesis chapter 46, if you have your Bibles, if not, you can look on the screen, I'm sure, and uh, as you're turning there and finding Genesis 46, verse number 12, I would like to take a moment and once again give honor to your leadership in this church, I give honor to your bishop and his wife, it was an honor to meet them for the first time Friday night, and uh, give them honor tonight. And also to your pastor, your pastor's wife and their family. 
uh, we've ran into each other a few times through the years at conferences and NYCs and things like that. But it was it was just a joy to be able to finally get to sit down and uh, have fellowship with he and his wife and their family. And uh, I give them honor tonight as well. Aren't you blessed in this church to have the leadership that you do? Amen. And I give them honor tonight because every one of us need a pastor to go to heaven. Well, praise the Lord. I may be an evangelist, but I've got to have a pastor. I've got to have a covering over my life. And I'm thankful for pastors, men that are shepherds after his own heart. Watchmen on the wall, men that can see things from a vantage point that I may not be able to see from. And I give your pastor and your bishop and their wives honor tonight. And also their family in this great church. Thank you for being in revival. You know, I've never pastored. I've, I'm around pastors a good bit. And I think one of the things that make pastors happy is that when they call for revival, people come to revival. And um, I thank you for your faithfulness and your attendance to the house of the Lord the last few nights. You know, I'm a firm believer God honors faithfulness. I believe that. Amen. Genesis chapter 46, it has been a joy to be with you this week. Genesis chapter 46, verse number 12. The Bible says, And the sons of Judah... Ur and Onan, and Shelah and Phares and Zerah. But Ur and Onan died in the land of Canaan, and the sons of Phares were Hezron and Hamul. And the sons of Judah, Ur and Onan, Shelah, Phares, and Zerah. If you'll help me tonight, I want to preach to you about the sons of Judah. The sons of Judah. Why don't you put your Bibles down and why don't you lift your hands, lift your voice, whatever you want to do. And why don't we just create an atmosphere of praise in this house one more time. Come on, saturate this house. If we want His presence, we've got to send up praise. If we want him to inhabit where we are, we've got to give him praise in the house. Come on, why don't you just take the limits off of your praise for the remainder of the service? Why don't you remove everything out of your mind that may be going on? Come on, one more time. Why don't you put your hands together and add with that hand clap a shout of triumph in this house. Come on, a few more moments. Why don't you create that atmosphere that God can work in? In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. Thank you for standing. As well taught as you are in this church, as much preaching as you're blessed to hear from behind this pulpit from your bishop and your pastor, no doubt everyone in this room is well acquainted with the idea that in Scripture, names of places, names of people are significant. 
and their meanings are of the utmost importance. It's not so much in our culture because in 21st century America, we usually just pick a name that fits well with our last name and we usually don't give much thought to the meaning or the significance of those names. However, in the days of the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, the culture of Scripture was much different from what it is now. Everything that happened, events, places, and people, the names that were given to them were significant. No doubt we could spend a lot of time here going through examples of this in the Word of God, but we'll just use one example, which I believe is the ultimate example of the meaning of a name. We understand that the name Jesus literally means Jehovah has become our salvation or Jehovah saves. Of course, we know this is important because in Christ was God's ultimate self-revelation of himself. We understand that when Jesus was born, it wasn't just another Jewish boy receiving a name, but we understand that it was the one God, Jehovah of the Old Testament, personally revealing himself in the flesh for the purpose of redeeming his people unto himself. It's why the angel appears to Mary and says, you shall call his name Jesus because he he shall save his people from their sins. Now, in the context of what we're going to preach about this evening, we understand that the name Judah is also of significance and importance. The name Judah, we understand, literally means to worship or to revere. It literally means to praise. And from the King James Version, it's translated a number of different ways. And again, for the sake of time, we won't expound on every instance, but Judah can be translated to mean thanks or thankful. In other places, it can literally mean thanksgiving. But then we come to the one that we in the church are most familiar with, and that is the translation meaning to praise in Second Chronicles 7 and 3 the Bible says and when the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and they worshipped and they judahed or they praised the Lord saying for he is good for his mercy endureth forever Psalms 42 and 5 asked the question why art thou cast down O my soul and why art thou disquieted in me hope thou in God for I shall yet Judah or praise him for the help of his countenance Psalm 107 8 15 21 and 31 it says oh that men would Judah or praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men notice a common theme in all the praise text that the reason why I give God praise the basis upon I give praise to God has nothing to do with what I possess it has nothing to do with what I'm going through my praise has nothing to do with how life is treating me but in every one of those cases it is because the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever if you're in this house tonight and you don't feel like you have a reason to give God 
God prays from a natural perspective. Let me tell you that there is a reason every day of our life to give praise to God. And that is because the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. If I have no other reason to praise, I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to lift my voice because his mercy has been shown in my life. I've come to tell somebody in this room, whether you've had a good day or a bad day, whether you're on the mountain or in the valley, every time we come through those doors, we've got a reason to praise. It's because God's good and his mercy endureth forever. I'll tell you why I can lift my hands. I'll tell you why I can clap my hands. I'll tell you why I can shout and I can rejoice. It's because we deserve to be in hell, but we're in the house of God. And for that reason, I'm gonna give God praise because he's good and his mercy endureth forever. Hey, it doesn't matter if I got laid off from the job or not. I've got to move on. It doesn't matter if the diagnosis is good or not. It doesn't matter if everything's falling to pieces. I've got a reason to come to God's house and lift my hands. It's because he's good. It's because he's merciful. It's because he put away my past. That's the reason I can give him praise. That's what praise means from its original context. You just praise him because he's good and because his mercy is renewed every day. Have you ever wondered how praise or Judah got his name? Genesis 29, 18 through 35. We're not going to uh, uh, read through this for the sake of time, but we understand the setting of the text. There's a man uh, by the name of Jacob, and the Bible tells us uh, that there's a woman that has caught the eye of Jacob. Uh, Jacob loves a lady by the name of Rachel, uh, and so the Bible tells us that Rachel has a sister uh, whose name is Leah, and the Bible emphatically tells us uh, that Rachel was well favored. Uh, she was nice to look at, but Leah was tender-eyed. In other words, Rachel was beautiful, but Leah was... So the Bible says Jacob loves Rachel, but he pays no attention to Leah. And so Jacob and his uncle Laban come up with this scenario. I'll work with you seven years, and then you'll give me your daughter Rachel. And so they shake hands, so to speak. And Jacob works seven long years in order to get the woman that he loves. And we know the story very well. On the wedding night, they go in. The next morning, the sun comes up, and Jacob rolls over, and he realizes something is very wrong. I wanted the beautiful one. But I got the one. And so Jacob goes to his father Laban. And he says, what's going on here? I worked seven years for Rachel, but you gave me Leah. And so Laban looks at Jacob and says, oh, I meant to tell you, uh, we have a custom where we're from. Uh, we marry off the firstborn, then we'll do the second. Uh, and so if I'm Jacob, I would have been pretty ticked off because uh, I would have looked at Laban and said, you could have told me that seven years earlier. 
But somehow Laban gets Jacob because he understands he wants Rachel. He talks him into working seven more years for him. And we understand what happens. Seven years pass and Jacob finally marries Rachel. And so the Bible says that Jacob has married these two sisters. He's married Rachel and he's married Leah. And the Bible says it's very clear that Jacob loves Rachel but Leah loves Jacob. And the Bible says when God saw that Leah was hated, the Bible says that the Lord opens her womb, but Rachel was barren. I find it interesting to note that the ugly one was fruitful, but the beautiful one was barren. And so the Bible says that Leah conceives a boy and names his son Reuben because she says, I am afflicted. Some time passes and she conceives a second son, calls his name Simeon because I felt hated. She then conceives a third son, names him Levi, and says, I hope my husband will be joined unto me. Notice the downward progression. Leah first wants Jacob to love her. Now she just wants Jacob to stay with her. And then the Bible said time passes through affliction through hatred, through being by yourself, and she conceives a fourth son and says, now will I praise the Lord. Why the shift? Understand the first three boys that Leah's given birth to, they were named what they were named because she's afflicted, because she's hated, because nobody loves her. But here's the revelation. In spite of her affliction and in spite of her persecution, she realized that in spite of all of this, they cannot stop me from being fruitful. And so I'm not going to focus on what I don't have, the love of Jacob. I'm going to focus on what I do have, fruitfulness in spite of my affliction. Can I tell somebody in this house, affliction isn't the burial place of praise. Affliction is the birthplace of praise because Judah was born in the midst of adversity. Judah was born in the midst of opposition. If you're in this house and you're a praiser, adversity doesn't kill your praise. It gives birth to your praise. It doesn't matter what you're going through. If you are a praiser, Judah's going to be born because in her affliction in her adversity there was a boy that was born because praise has to be born in the midst of adversity adversity isn't where praise goes to die Adversity is where praise goes to be born. And I'm telling somebody in this house, when adversity comes, it's no time to kill your praise. It's no time to shut your praise down because Judah was born in the midst of affliction. I've come to tell somebody there's something that happens when adversity comes. It gives birth to praise. It gives birth to worship. I'm telling somebody in this house, regardless of the affliction and the adversity, it cannot stop us from giving birth to Judah. And Leah understood no matter how much the enemy hates me, and no matter how much the enemy is against me, he cannot stop me from being fruitful. So we understand that Judah's born in the midst of affliction. 
we understand that Judah's born in the midst of adversity. We understand very well. We are very familiar with the idea of praise, especially in the apostolic church. We understand that the Bible teaches us how to give God praise. Every time we come through those doors, it tells us to lift our hands. It tells us to lift our voice. It tells us to leap for joy. It tells us to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. We understand well how to praise, but can I remind us praise is more than just some action we do in church. I've come to tell us and remind us that praise is more than just spiritual exercise that gets some sweat flowing down our face. I'm telling somebody praise has a purpose. Praise is there for a reason. Don't ever minimize or make fun of somebody's praise. I'm telling somebody they've got a revelation that praise always produces things in their life. Understand adversity gives birth to Judah. Adversity gives birth to praise. But once praise is born, Judah gives birth to sons. Can I tell us praise is more than just something we do so pastor won't get mad at us? Praise is something more we the more that we do uh, than to get the praise team off our back because we're killing them up here. Uh, can I tell somebody praise is supposed to be more than just gymnastics in the church? Uh, something happens uh, when you give God praise. Uh, something is born uh, when you give praise. Uh, I'm telling somebody in this house we need to be reminded uh, that Judah is born in adversity. Uh, but when Ju- Judah comes forth, uh, there are some sons uh, that are produced. Uh, I'm telling us in every praise service, something ought to be born. Every time we give God praise, something ought to come forth because adversity gives birth to Judah, but then Judah gives birth to sons. In every praise service we have, something ought to be born because the Bible says Judah praise has sons. The first boy that Judah gives birth to was a man by the name of Ur. And when you begin to look at Ur, you will be quick to realize that the name Ur literally means watchful or to the opening of the eyes. Can I tell us praise is more than just something we do. Praise is supposed to be the very thing that gives birth to Ur so our eyes can be opened to see what God is doing in our midst. Can I tell us doubt, worry, and unbelief can affect how we see things in the kingdom, but in the midst of a praise, Ur can be born, and once you are blinded, your eyes can be opened. I'm telling somebody in this house, when you give praise to God, it opens your eyes to see that God's in control, and God's making a way, and God's going to work it out. I'm telling somebody in this house, Ur has got to be born so I can see what God is doing. It was the prophet Isaiah who said in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. Now we understand that Isaiah wrongfully burned incense in the temple and so he was stricken with leprosy. Understand what Isaiah is laying out. He sees a king who's in leprous robes. He sees a man that's disenfranchised from his throne and from his kingdom and from his people. This is what the prophet sees. But the Bible said, he writes and says, I saw also 
telling me that we've got a choice as to what we look at in every scenario that life throws our way because the prophet said I saw also the Lord I saw another king who was still on his throne still in the peak of his glory and still in control of his people while Uzziah was in leprous robes he saw a king in his kingly robes while Uzziah was off the throne he saw a God who was still on the throne while Uzziah was in a house of leprosy. He saw a king in the temple and his train filled the temple. Can I tell us in chaos? He saw order in trouble. He saw triumph in pain. He saw power and it's through praise that Ur is born and God can open my eyes and I can see from a press vantage point that God is still in control. I don't know what you saw before you walk through those doors. I don't know what had your attention, what's going on before you come through those doors. But can I tell somebody in this house, Ur can be born and your eyes can be diverted away from the problem and to the problem solver because that's what happens when Ur is birthed. We can see things that God is doing. Elisha and his servant are surrounded And the servant becomes fearful. And the prophet Elisha grabs him and begins to pray and says, Fear not, for they that are with us are more than they that are against us. But he doesn't stop there. He says, Lord, I pray that you would open his eyes that he may see. And when the prophet opens his eyes and the servant opens his eyes, he saw chariots of fire around them because praise will open your eyes to see that God's about to send help. Praise will let you see that God's in the middle of your adversity. I wish somebody in this house would let her be born. I wish somebody in this house would let you see that God's in control and God's in the middle of this. Your adversity doesn't want you to see what God's doing. We'll go back to Friday night. He wants you to be distracted on what he's doing. But when Ur is born, I'm able to open my eyes and see in the middle of that worship service, I get a brand new vantage point and a brand new perspective that God is still in control and God is going to work this out. I need to remind somebody in this room, you need to get your eyes off the problem and get your eyes on the God who can solve every problem. And it's through your praise that Ur's born and your eyes are able to be opened he has a son that comes forth because praise should always produce things in our life that we need because the second son that Judah gives birth to is a son a man by the name of Onah And Ona's name literally means a supernatural strength that is not of our own. Can I tell somebody in this room tonight, it's going to be simple, but can I tell somebody in this room tonight that praise should always produce supernatural strength. 
Nothing can make us stronger than coming into God's house among God's people in God's presence and lifting up our hands because if you're weak, Ona can be born. If you feel frail in the spirit, Ona can be born. Can I tell somebody in this room, you can walk into church weak, but you can walk out strong because in your praise, Ona can come forth. There's a supernatural strength that can flow in this house if somebody will let your praise give birth to Ona. It's more than just lifting our hands because that's what's expected. It's more than just jumping up and down every now and again because so-and-so's doing it. It's more than just clapping on beat because everybody else, can I tell somebody that praise should always produce things in our life? There's a giant standing in the valley of Elah. The Bible says Goliath stands there for several days, weeks. Send me a man that we may fight. It was the way that battles were won and lost in ancient warfare because they would take a champion out of one army, put him in a valley, and he would fight the champion of another army. And whoever won, they would take control over the opposing army. And for 40 days, Goliath stands in the valley of Elah demanding Israel, send me a man that we may fight. For 40 days, Israel are hiding, is hiding in tents. And Saul is among them hiding as well. We've preached this so many times. But until some time ago, the Bible says that the battle takes place at a place called Shoko. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself the question, who did the Valley of Elah belong to? Because when you begin to look at it from a geographical standpoint, the Valley of Elah and that location of Shoko belonged to the tribe of Judah. It belonged to the praisers. But for 40 days, there's a giant standing in their praise. It's a giant of fear. It's a giant of intimidation. It is a giant that has shut their praise down because Judah doesn't belong in the tents. Praise is not supposed to be compressed. But there's a giant standing in the middle of praise. So here comes a boy named David walking into the scenario. And the Bible says that David was the son of an Ephratite of Bethlehem, Judah. Understand what the Bible is telling us. David was the son of a praiser. And it's praise that gives us strength that goes beyond ourselves. And that's why David walked boldly into that valley of Elah. And he was willing to fight a giant that even a giant saw himself was not going to fight. Can I tell somebody in this room, it doesn't matter how great the obstacle is. It doesn't matter how big the giant may be. If Ona can be born in this house, There's a supernatural strength that's going to accompany that birth. There's strength in this house to overcome every enemy, to overcome everything that's in front of us. You've got to give birth to Ona because when Ona's born, there's strength that comes with it. In my praise service, supernatural strength can flow from up there and it can come to where I am. That's why you can walk into a worship service feeling like you're dragging yourself in spiritually. But you can walk out on cloud nine spiritually because it wasn't the song, it wasn't the singers, it wasn't the preacher. Because when Judah is born in adversity, Judah gives birth to Ona. And when Ona is born, there is a supernatural strength that accompanies that being produced in our life. Sheila 
It's the third son that Judah brings forth. He's the third son that praise produces. It's a name that has two connotations because the first definition literally means a prayer request. Can I tell us praise is more than just noise and outward emotion? But praise from a biblical perspective is the avenue of requesting something from God and it is the approach of prayer. I'll read it again, Philippians 4 and 6. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with Judah or with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. Can I tell somebody in this house that by lifting your hands and giving God praise, you're making your request known to God. God, this is what I need. This is what I need you to do. This is what I need in this house. I need you to heal my body. I need you to save my family. I need you to bring back my lost loved ones. Can I tell somebody that when Sheila is born, it is an avenue of prayer before the throne of God. But the truth is, this is usually where we cut it off. Because how many times in worship service do we just allow our praise to go to the level of asking? And after we've asked, we shut our praise off. But can I tell us, Sheila has more than a meaning than just a prayer request because the second connotation of Sheila is that after your request is made known unto God, after it's made known in thanksgiving, that's when you've got to step beyond the prayer request and you've got to step into a dimension of receiving. Can I tell us, Sheila, when he's born, it's more than just asking. It is an act of receiving. So can I tell somebody that in the same praise service you can ask God for a miracle but before the praise service is over, your miracle comes into existence because it's a prayer request and then it's receiving everything that you're believing God for. Can I tell somebody, your praise request can turn into a praise report in the same service because you don't just ask, you receive the very, somebody right now, you ought to throw your hands up and say, Lord, I'm not just asking, I'm receiving, I receive everything that I need. Come on, we got to praise our way beyond just asking. We got to praise our way beyond just begging. We got to praise ourselves beyond just being a beggar. We've got to go beyond it and say, Lord, I receive everything I just asked you to do because when Sheila is born, I do more than just ask. I'm able to receive. I'm afraid that we can stay in a position of asking for so long that we can never make the transition to receive what we're asking from God. Can I tell us, don't just come to the front and throw your hands up and say, Lord, I'm believing you to heal my body and then shut it off. Don't just come to the front and say, Lord, I, bl I believe you're going to bless my finances. I believe you're going to give me a better job. I believe you're going to do this, this, this. And don't just shut it off. But in that same moment of praise, you've got to go beyond asking and step into a dimension of receiving and say, Lord, by faith, I'm praising you because you may not have done it yet, but there's a prophetic praise coming on me. And I'm not just going to ask. I'm about to receive 
Somebody in this house, if you've been asking something from the Lord, I challenge you, step beyond asking and throw your hands up and say, Lord, I receive it. I'm going to get it in this house, in this service, because when Sheila is born, it's not just an act of asking, but it's an act of receiving. And in the same service, if Sheila's born, he can give birth to the answer that you're asking God to solve. Because praise is always supposed to produce. The fourth son, here we go, buckle up. The fourth son that praise gives birth to is a son by the name of Pharez. And his name literally means breakthrough. You're going to make me preach it, I see. Can I tell us praise does more than just open our eyes? Praise does more than just bring supernatural strength. Praise does more than just allow us to ask and receive. But praise should produce the breakthrough that we need in our life. Because it's amazing that the name Pharez literally means to break forth or to break out. Can I tell us that when we begin to give God praise, we are supposed to produce the breakthrough to whatever area in our life that we need. Can I tell somebody in this house, maybe you've been kind of restricting your praise since Friday night. It's a good time right now to let your Judah give birth to Pharez. Because if you've been restricting your praise, if you've been trying to harness your praise, it's a good time for Pharez to come forth because when Pharez comes there's a breakthrough that comes with it it's time to get our praise out of the box it's time to get our praise from being locked down there's got to be a Pharez that produces the breakthrough that I need and what's interesting about that is that so many times in my life brother McGee I've always asked the Lord to give me the breakthrough Lord, breakthrough in this area, breakthrough in this area, breakthrough in my life. But according to the Bible, my praise is supposed to produce the breakthrough. So that tells me if I haven't had a breakthrough, Pharez hasn't been born. And if Pharez hasn't been born, then Judah hasn't been born. But I'm telling some, I feel my help right now to push me to tell somebody that there can be a breakthrough in this house for somebody, whether it's spiritually or emotionally. There can be a breakthrough in this house. And everything that is contained your praise, everything that is restricting your praise, everything that's trying to bottle your praise up, if Pharez can be born, there's about to be a breakthrough on the other side of that birth. I wish somebody right now would push past your pride and push past your flesh and let Pharaoh come forth. You've restricted it long enough. Let Judah give birth to Pharaoh. Let Judah give birth to the breakthrough. Somebody right now ought to lift your hands all over this room and you ought to let your praise elevate beyond where it's been in these series of services. I'm telling somebody there's a breakthrough in this house that God's ready to rain down on somebody. A breakthrough in your mind. A breakthrough in your spirit. A breakthrough in your family. If Pharaoh is born, there's a breakthrough that's coming. And once the breakthrough comes, God tells Israel, if you'll break through, 
I'll break forth. So that tells me my praise, Bishop, has to give birth to my breakthrough. I can't blame God if I haven't had a breakthrough in a long time. Well, it's the last night of revival. I, I can't throw stones at God or the preacher or pastor because I've been bottled up and I haven't had a breakthrough spiritually. Can I tell somebody we've got to check if Pharez has been born? Because if Pharez hasn't been born, there's not going to be a breakthrough. Stop waiting on God to give the breakthrough. We've got to produce the breakthrough. And God says, if you'll break through, I'm about to break forth. My presence is coming. My spirit's coming. I'm going to draw nigh unto you if Pharez Somebody in this house, you ought to let Pharez be born. Break through so God's presence can break forth. Come on, we're teetering right here. Somebody right now ought to give birth so your eyes can be open that God's in control. Somebody ought to give birth right now so strength can come to where you are. Somebody ought to give birth so you're not just asking but you're receiving. Somebody ought to give birth that you can have a breakthrough in this house because once the breakthrough happens, there's a breaking forth that's going to follow. Come on, right? I don't feel to move on yet. I got one more son to preach about. But God won't let me get past this right here. Come on, the Lord wants somebody to know it's been a long time since you let your praise go. It's been a long time since you lost yourself in praise. It's been a long time since you just lost yourself in the presence of God. There's about to be a breakthrough for somebody if you want it. Pharez can come forth. Pharez can be birthed. But Judah has to give birth. And on the other side of that breakthrough is a breaking forth. This is why the praise team tries their best to get us to praise every time we come to church. This is why preachers preach the importance of praise because we want more than just a response. We want something to be produced. We want something to come forth because everything you need can be produced if Judah is born. Through praise. I can see that God's still in control. Through praise, I have strength to overcome any giant. Through praise, I not only ask, but I receive. Through praise, there's a breakthrough. But then there's the fifth and final son that Judah gives birth to. It is a boy by the name of Zerah. And Zerah is not just some ordinary boy that's born to Judah. Because Zerah was born with a prophetic utterance over his life. Because the name Zerah literally means dawning or rising or shining. We understand that dawning marks the coming of a new day. We understand that after the sun is set, the sun is always going to rise. And when that sun begins to rise, we understand it's a new day. Yesterday's gone, and this is a new moment. 
Can I tell us praise is always supposed to produce a new moment and a new day in our life. But then it goes on to tell us that it's a shining of a light. Not only does a new day come when Zara is born, but there is a light that's going to shine from that new day. What light would come from Zara? What light would come from Judah? Can I tell us it was a messianic prophecy that from this son Zerah and from his father Judah, the Savior of the world was going to be born because Jesus was born from the lineage of Judah. Jesus comes from praisers. And if you don't, it's ain't in my notes, but if you don't like praise, then you don't like God's family because God was born from a house of praisers. I was at a church, God's messing me up tonight. I was at a church some time ago, and I was just, are we? It didn't matter what they sang. It didn't matter what they said. Thank God, it sang like it here. It didn't matter what you preached. It didn't matter what you said. It didn't matter what they sang. Old school, new school. Southern gospel, contemporary. Choir, it didn't matter. They just sat there and looked at you. <laughs> Thank God it ain't everywhere I go, but it's some places. <laughs> Finally, one night, I don't. I hope it was the anointing that got on me. And I got up, brother, brother McGee. Before I knew it, I, I just said, "I said, look, if you don't like praise and worship, don't go to heaven." I said, because as far as I, I can see, there's going to be thirty minutes of silence. But on that 31st minute, there's going to be a sound that goes forth through the heavens. And for eternity, there's going to be no more silence. But there's going to be praise and worship going on in the throne. Hey, if praise and worship bothers you, if praise and worship isn't what you like, just take my, don't go to heaven. Because that's all we're going to do when we cross over. I'm telling somebody in this house, if we can't praise down here, we're not going to praise over there. But when Sarah is born, there's a new day that comes. And there's a Savior that's produced from that day. Is that all right? If Jesus came from praisers, then praise ought to be in my bloodline. Every time I come to church, it ought to be something I want to do, not that I have to do. He's good. His mercy is everlasting. And praise produces what I need. Stand all over the house. Zara's born. And it doesn't just mark a new day. But there's a light shining from that new day. And that light was the messianic savior that was going to come to the world and give his life for the salvation of the world. Can I tell somebody in this house that Zerah is more than just an outward response because when Zerah is birthed, it means a new day has come to my life, but there's a Savior coming in that new day, and whatever I have need of, there's a Savior coming to where I am. It doesn't matter what's going on in my world. If your praise can produce Zerah, there's a new day coming, but there's a God coming with it, and He's about to make all things new. He's about to turn everything around. I'm telling somebody, it's Zerah that produces the Savior that we desperately need. Somebody right now ought to lift your hands. I'm finished preaching. Lift your hands all over the house. 
Lift your hands all over the house and let praise go forth right now. Come on, adversity gives birth to Judah. Don't let your trouble kill praise. Don't let your adversity kill praise. Don't let what you're going through snuff out Judah. Because if Judah can be born, somebody's eyes are going to be open. If Judah can be born, there's strength that's coming. If Judah can come forth, somebody's about to receive. If Judah can come forth... There's a breakthrough coming. Somebody right now, you've been on the edge of your seat all service. You ought to just step out from where you are and you ought to throw your hands up and just begin to give God praise all over the house. Hey, I'm finished preaching. The rest is up to you. What do you need praise to produce? What does Judah need to bring forth? It's going to be on the other side of your praise. I feel a breakthrough in the house right now. Somebody ought to forget about who's around and who's watching and what they're going to think. You ought to just get lost in the presence of God right now. You ought to just break your praise out of the box. You ought to to just let it be restricted. Another service. Judah's got to be born because Judah always produces. Come on, somebody needs to know God's still in control. Somebody's eyes need to be open. If God be for me, who can be against me? Somebody needs to know there's strength that can come and you can destroy the giant that's in front of you. Somebody needs to know you can ask and you shall receive. Somebody needs to be reminded that once the breakthrough comes, there's a breaking forth. And when the new day comes, there's a God coming with it. Come on, lift your hands and in your own way, give him praise. Create an atmosphere so Judah can be birthed. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.